Welcome to the Citrus segment, the official podcast of Citrus SA, the peak body representing citrus growers in South Australia. I'm Kerry Robertson, and this is the latest episode. Sterile fruit fly are being grown out at the McCormick Centre in Renmark, ready for release across the Riverland to help in the fight against the pest. Fruit fly coordinator Brett Kennedy took us on a tour of the facility recently and I asked Brett to explain the process. So effectively we have a a secure facility in Port Augusta where we raise the sterols. So they're irradiated there um, and bred at that secure location. Then they're transported here in the pupae form. Um, they come into here um, and this is where this is what we call a rear out facility so effectively we rear the flies out from the pupae form to the actual the wild the, sorry the sterile fly um, and that takes anywhere from five to six days okay so what are you looking at when you how do they get here the the pupae form and what does it, what does it look like when it gets here so they, they pretty much come in just a, a cardboard box um, sent through the post um, on a uh, effectively a courier delivers them um, they're looking at about um, 20,000 uh, pupae per tub, I think it is. Um, we'll have a look at those in a minute. Um, so, yeah, and we're getting up to 15 to 20 million at a time. Okay, so when they arrive, you go to the post office and collect your cardboard boxes of pupae. Yeah. What next? Um, so they come in here and they're fed. Um, we have a team of about 15 staff here, um, led by Sandra, our, um, our manager here. Um, so they come in, um, they're, they're reared on a diet of um, yeast, uh, agar, which is sugar and water solution, and brown sugar effectively. So um, there's a whole process of the tubs coming in, the tubs getting cleaned from the previous release. Then we've got the cookies, the cookers who are doing the actual agar. Um, it's effectively like a production line going all the way down to the um, temperature and humidity controlled shipping containers down the end, which we'll have a look at. Um, where the flies are actually reared out um, over a period of about five days. But from when the flies land here, and within a couple of days, they're actually in the containers um, getting ready to go, basically. So. All right, well, can we take a walk through? Yep. Okay, so we've walked inside here now. What, do we, what can we see as we walk in the back door? Yep, so effectively we've just come from the, the clean-out area, the wash-down area, where we make sure all the tubs are clean before they're reused. And now as we walk through, we're just walking into a bit of our, our storage and prep area. So we have our, as you can see, literally pallets of sugar. Um, <laughs> so pallets of brown sugar. We have our agar trays over on our right. Um, they're actually setting at the moment, so they would have been cooked up yesterday. So they'll sit there and they'll set over 24 hours, go to a nice sort of gelatinized sort of solution, ready to go into the tub. So as we walk down a little bit further, that's our cooking facility on the left. Can we have a look in there? Yep. So the McCormick Centre was pretty much ideal with the industrial kitchen and exhaust fans. We'll have three or four people working in here at a time, cooking up a solution in, as you can see, big sort of 40-litre stainless steel um, saucepans effectively where they they cook the agar before it um, goes into the... um, the plastic holders for for where it sets so so yeah then uh, as we move out we've got a bit of a drying area off to our right where we store all the crates once they've been washed and dried so we'll just move down to that now and then as you can see you'll start to hear 
hear the whole team down here working, loading up the trays ready for next week's release effectively. So these flies will go down today and be looking at being released on Monday. So um, as you can see out to our right, we've got approximately anywhere from four to 500 tubs that are all washed with their, um, their mesh and their ventilation and their secure lids um, ready to go. And we'll just go down into the prep area at the moment. So to, just to uh, take a look at these tubs, they're basically like what you'd use in, say, office storage, document storage, plastic tubs with circular holes cut out, what, three on each side and then one at each end with fly mesh, I guess it is, just yep. in there. And then they get a lid put on them, do they? Yeah, they get a lid, they lid put on so we can... Um, the, the thing that, I, that we used to use, um, like the old uh, the bins effectively, like so that we found these are actually a bit more robust. They transport really well. We can fit more flies per tub. And loading these into vans, we can fit a lot more tubs into a van, which makes us more efficient going out into the field. So, um, And a lot more stackable. You can see how many, like stacks of 10, um, in each one of these tubs we might up to have 30,000, 35,000 flies. So, so who got the job of building these? Um, Arana. So we approached uh, Fiona from Arana Disability Services in Loxton, and those guys have done a fantastic job. Great turnaround, uh, really enthusiastic staff. So yeah, they were in, had them done, and turned them out really quickly for us. They were fantastic. So keeping the jobs sort of local for those guys as well. So um, it was quite a quite a big process for them. But yeah, they, I think they really enjoyed it. All right. So we'll leave these empty tubs here, and uh, I guess they're being taken up into this next area which is the the hive of activity uh so yeah tell us about what's being well is this the next step or do we yep so, so what this is uh, effectively the next step here so we have our whole team in here everybody working very very busily away so um we could be putting down anywhere up to seven to eight million flies today so um, the teams have their, their pupae that are in their paper bags. They have their, their yeast, their sugar, their, everything they need to, to put into the tubs along with their agar. Um, so they're loading up these tubs with approximately 30,000 flies per tub. So, Okay, so in the tubs that we just talked about with the holes in the sides and they get the lids put on eventually, you've got some little brown paper lunch bags. What's yeah, so, in them? So pretty much like your school lunch bags. So each one of those... Um, bags is full of pupae so the pupae that comes from Port Augusta so it's effectively the the larvae has gone into the pupa format so it's sitting there waiting for the right temperature and conditions to start to emerge and when they do emerge from the paper bags they crawl out um, they're sort of in the tubs um, while they're waiting and then they start to feed then they start to feed on the uh, agar and the yeast and the brown sugar as their diet so now, I was looking at the pupae before. Why is it blue? Um, so we can recognise them in the field. So every, um, every batch is a different colour. So we'll either do pink, green or blue. So we can sort of also tell how, fl how long these flies will live for. So if we've released the blue dye was six to eight weeks ago and we're still catching them ten weeks later in our traps, then we know, Roddy, our flies are living for that eight to ten weeks. So we just rotate that dye around. We may have uh, different dye for different outbreak areas, releasing in different zones, so that's another reason. Okay, so it is a hive of activity here. How many, so how many paper bags, how many things of agar and how much food gets put in? Yeah, anywhere up to six to eight paper bags per tub, uh, a couple of tins of agar, couple of sorry, a couple of trays of agar, and then your little cupcakes. Um, they'll have the little yeast trays and the brown sugar trays, a couple of those per tub as well.
So, agar, what's that used for, for hydration? Yeah, it's, it's just a part of their diet. So, if we just were to stick a tray full of water in there, that effectively just drowns. So, um, it's just a um, semi-liquid form that they can crawl around and, and consume effectively. So, And I suppose it makes it easier for transportation too than yep. water? Absolutely. So, it sets nicely. So... Um, but yeah, so you can see we've got one, two, three, four. We've got about eight eight people in here working at the moment, um, and we do have crews out in the field at the moment releasing releasing the flies um, within the outbreak and suspension areas. So, so okay. So once they've got all the food in, the lids on. What's next? Yep. So they get stacked into the containers. So we'll work walk through and uh, walk out into one of the shipping containers, which are. Uh, temperature and humidity controlled, um, and these flies will be in here for five days, um, and we'll we um, we check every single batch that goes down for emergence and flightability as well, and we have all those results. But we'll walk through now and um, go out into the back of the container so you can have a look at the flies. Right. So we're at the doorway now, heading out. There's a couple of shipping containers there. Shall we wander over to them? Yep. Go out and have a look and, um, and watch them load up the containers for next week for release. So five days in these tubs, is that what you were saying? Yep. Five days in here and um, then they'll be released. So each of the containers, as you can see, will have a, a date of how many tubs are put down, when the day that they actually went in and the day that they're going to be released. So we can look up here. We've got um, uh, these went down on Saturday the 19th and were released on the 25th of the 8th. So um, they're the days that we'll release. So. And what sort of conditions do you need to sort of replicate in the shipping containers? So it runs at about effectively about 26 degrees and that's a constant with a we have lights in there as well to replicate normal daylight hours. So the lights are set on timers. It is constantly um, 26 degrees, anywhere between 60 and 70% humidity. So ideal conditions, Queensland fly or a tropical fly. So that's the environment they like. So Now I notice too you've got some generators here. Yep, so we, um, thanks to SA Water, we've got some generators here that are plugged into the building. If, if we do lose power, then this, the, the whole building can actually run as per normal. It's really critical that these flies, to get that five days and get the turnaround, so we don't have any lapses in that temperature. If the temperature drops, the, the emergence rate will slow down and the emergence rate won't be as good either. So. Okay, so how many are you releasing every day? Are you releasing every day or is not, it set days a week? Not every day. Sometimes we're generally releasing um, a couple of days per week. So at the moment we're at about 15 million per week and we were up as high as 20 million. So we've just walked into one of the shipping containers. It's uh, a bit noisy in here but we can see, oh what are they, six high? No, five high, four across and how far deep? Um, well up here there'll be 15 to 20 rows deep. These can be stacked effectively from floor to ceiling with the new crates we're using with a good ventilation, um, getting really good emergence rate. And it's just so much more efficient than the old green bins. We can stack these from floor to ceiling, um, anywhere to six to eight million per shipping container of flies. So um, really, really a much more efficient system. So once, they've, once they're ready to go in their tubs, in these shipping containers, what's the next step? Yep, so our vans will come in. Um, we're using a, what we call a static release method. So we could do aerial, but it's really important we get these flies right to the areas that we need them. So the vans will come in, the teams will load the vans up, and then they'll be releasing them in lots of either 100 or 150,000 flies in certain sections. So they'll pick, the, pick the, um, the tubs up, they'll load them into their vans, drive out to their GPS coordinate location with their maps, and then actually start releasing them. So it's, it's sort of an even spread across the outbreak and suspension area. So.
how do you work out exactly where to put them? So we do it at a rate of flies per hectare. So in the suspension area, we do about 600 flies per hectare. Um, in the outbreak areas, it's about 3,000. So it's a how many tubs at a location per how many hectares is in that area, and we, we just we space it out that way. So it's a fly per hectare basis. Okay, so you take the, the tubs out, take the lid off, then then what? Yep. So the, um, the flies effectively, with a little bit of encouragement, we use little blower tools or something, or we'll just rattle them out. So the flies we release around like your native vegetation. So Q-fly doesn't actually eat your fruit. It just uses it to lay its eggs. So wherever we've got native vegetation, it doesn't necessarily have to be fruit around. Native vegetation around your backyards and your households, that's where we'll do the releases. Around the main risk sites, all of our outbreak areas in this instances have generally been around residential backyards. So where we have that connectivity between different types of fruit, six to eight months of the year, having that fruit in your backyard, we really encourage people to make sure they clean that fruit up because that's generally where we've found fruit fly in this in this outbreak. It's been absolutely the no-brainer of that's where the, the larvae have been in people's backyards. So. And how do you know that this system's working? Um, it's, gen- it's used in about seven other countries across the world. So wherever we have flies, we've used this in the Loxton outbreak, the Impy outbreak. This is proven technology. So effectively what happens is any female flies that are actually out there, our male flies will seek them out or they'll find each other. Um, once the male fly mates, then the female will continue to lay her eggs, but those eggs are just non-viable. So any eggs she lay, they won't um, evolve into maggots and then into pupae. It won't complete its life cycle, and then the female will just die out. So you're looking at about anywhere from an 8- to 12-week life cycle, depending on the temperature, whether it's cooler or warmer. So once the flies come out of hibernation, if we have a base load of flies across the outbreak areas, um, any flies that are out there after our hygiene work and our baiting work that we've been um, the operations team have been doing a great job in our backyards. Um, yeah, these flies will really finish it off for us. So, And then what's next for this project? How long is it going for? Um, at this stage, our, probably a bit of an average across our outbreak areas till mid-December, depending on what we, fly, we find coming into spring. Any flies we find from this date forward, we'll extend that date out. But um, we're, we're confident that the work we're doing... Um, should see us finish up in December. I'd like to think so anyway. So ideally um, to release flies in the area is a constant thing, but that's still still yet to be um, ticked off by door. Anything else you want to add? Um, we also, the, it's not a male-only strain, it's a male and female strain of flies. So um, we're currently working on um, producing a male-only strain of flies, but that's a little way away, and that'll reduce the amount of flies we have to release per hectare. But... This is a male and female strain of fruit fly. Well, Brett, thank you very much for showing us around the McCormick Centre and, and what's happening with sterile insect technology in the Riverland. No worries. Thanks very much, Kerry. Thanks for listening to the Citrus segment, the podcast produced by Citrus South Australia. If you like what you heard, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode.